This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now let's join today's message, Already in Progress. Well, God bless you again, everybody. Let's get right into the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open up to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and and maybe Acts chapter 11 as well. But in Acts chapter 2, just to give you a context of what we're about to read, it is the day of Pentecost. And Luke, the writer of Acts, begins to list all of the different kinds of people who are in Jerusalem worshiping on that day. And he picks up in verse 10 and he says, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both the Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking, meaning the apostles, in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. Well, in Acts chapter 11, verse 20, it says, But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, Preaching the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you so much for your word today. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. We ask that Jesus Christ would be glorified. Father, I'm mindful that there might be someone today that is operating in fear. Lord, help them to know that black is powerful. That we have you, if we have you in our lives, we have the very power of God at our access. Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We pray that your word would do its work in our lives. In Jesus' name, won't you say amen, amen, and amen. I mentioned earlier that last week we looked at uh, black is beautiful and women, black women, women of African descent in the Old Testament. Well, today I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the presence of black people in the New Testament, particularly men, black men in the New Testament. The scriptures that I read for you in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 11 list men or people who came from Africa. On the day of Pentecost, when the church was birthed, there were people from Egypt, there were people from Libya, and there were people from Cyrene. And these locations are on the continent of Africa. Don't let anyone tell you that, that, that Christianity is the white man's religion. Africa was present in the very beginning. That these people heard the gospel and many of them gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ the day the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. They were, there were men from Egypt, there were men from Libya, and there were men from Cyrene. And then later on in Acts chapter 11, verse 20, it says some of the men from Cyprus and Cyrene, there is that place in, near, in, in, in the vicinity of modern-day Libya again at the northern tip of Africa, there were men who were there who they had come to Antioch and they spoke to the Hellenists or the Greeks 
and they were preaching the Lord Jesus. These African people were preaching the Lord Jesus already. These men from Cyrene, possibly uh, those who had converted to Christ on the day of Pentecost, decided that they would preach the gospel as well. And for the next few minutes, I'd like to talk about the power that we have, that, that dark-skinned, brown-skinned, black-skinned people from Africa are powerful with regard to God's agenda in the kingdom of God, in the Great Commission, in reaching the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are powerful. He has made us that way. He has called us to glorify Him with our ethnicity and with our culture. He has called us. He hasn't called us to be anybody else but who we are. And so I'd like to show you in the scriptures the black presence, the presence of black men in the New Testament with regard to power. So point number one is simply this, that God has given us the power for missions. You remember the story of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. This Ethiopian was uh, under the orders of Queen Candace of Ethiopia, that he was in charge of her treasury. He was in charge of the treasury department, that he had gone up to Jerusalem to worship. And the scripture says that he was returning to go back to Ethiopia. And while he was returning, he was reading the book of Isaiah. He was reading a portion of Isaiah chapter 53. And then a man named Philip comes up to his chariot and he begins a discussion with him and asks him, do you know what you're reading? And they get into a discussion about Isaiah 53 and we pick up the story in Acts chapter 8 verse 34 where it says, the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Men and women, this Ethiopian eunuch came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord and was baptized. But what I don't want you to forget is that in verse 28, it says that this Ethiopian eunuch was returning. He was going back to Ethiopia. So he got saved on the way going back. And many commentators believe that this Ethiopian eunuch is the first transcontinental missionary. That this African, this African got saved and brought the gospel to Africa in the first century. That Ethiopia heard the gospel and that regions in that region or area of of uh, Africa heard the gospel. And what I'm trying to tell you is this, that just the same way in the first century that God used this Ethiopian eunuch, he can use you and he can use me as well. That God has given us the ability to do missions. 
He's given us the ability to minister to others. He's given us the ability to proclaim his gospel. And men and women, he wants to use all kinds of folks to do that. Notice what this Ethiopian eunuch had in his favor. It didn't say he was a priest. It didn't say he was a prophet. It didn't say he was a preacher. It said that he was in government. He was in charge of the treasury of Queen Candace of Ethiopia. The scripture says that he was traveling to Jerusalem to worship, so evidently he liked to travel. The scripture says that he was reading. He was probably an intellectual, and he was reading the scriptures. The scripture says that he went up to Jerusalem to worship, so he was committed to God. And men and women, all of those things, none of them have anything to say about him being a preacher. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And men, I want to free you up. I know many of us grew up in that generation, I did in the 60s and the 70s, where the only thing that you could do in church to prove that you were committed to God was either be a musician or be a preacher. We didn't have any other options. We didn't have any other avenues. And what I'm telling you is, just the same way that God used this Ethiopian eunuch who wasn't a priest, who wasn't a prophet, he can use you and me. Men and women, we need folks who will, of course, do music and be preachers, but we need folks who are gifted in technology. We need folks who are gifted in leadership. We need folks who are gifted in service. We need folks who want to teach. We need folks who want to teach without a title. We need folks who will serve without recognition. We need folks who will start up businesses so you can make money and furnish and fund missions. We need folks who will use the giftings and the graces that God has given them for the glory to help build his kingdom. And I believe that God has given us the power to do that. He's given us the power to be men who will serve him. And you do not have to have REV in front of your name. We need folks in the sound and media area. We need folks who are photographers. We need comedians. We need those who are gifted people gatherers. We need those who know how to organize. We need all of that. And so, there's this power for missions that this Ethiopian eunuch had. But not only that, we've got the power, and I've overlapped this, the power for management. The power for management. And so it says in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there was a certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Men and women, Take a look at this. We are at the church at Antioch. We got prophets and we got teachers. There are five of them. There is Barnabas. There's Simeon. Uh, there's Lucius. There's Manan. And there's Saul. Two out of the five are dark-skinned people. Notice in the text it says Barnabas and then the next person is Simeon who is called Niger. 
if you read a commentary, if you read any history books about the Bible, they'll look at this verse and they will all tell you that they're calling Simeon black. Simeon called the Niger. Niger was black. It's the same root word that we get for Negro. And so here we have Simeon who is called Niger or the black. So he is a dark skinned man. And not only that, we have Lucius of Cyrene, and we have already said that, that Cyrene is in the region of what is now called Libya at the tip of Africa. So he quite possibly could be a dark-skinned man as well. We know that he is an African. And so we have them in church leadership. Antioch was a very important church because it was the gateway to ministering to the Gentiles and opening up the gospel to all peoples. We, it was a multi-ethnic church. And we had these black men in here who weren't just members of the church to hear a good Bible teacher. They weren't just members of the church because that church had good organization. They weren't just members of the church who just sit and sat and gave their tithes. No, they were in leadership. The scripture says that they were, they were prophets and they were teachers there in Antioch. And the scripture says that not only that, they were committed. They ministered to the Lord and they fasted. We have the very power to be good and great ministers of God who will minister to Him because ministry is relationship. And that first relationship is a relationship with God. They ministered to the Lord and they fasted. These were men of character and they decided they would calibrate their wills to obey God and they fasted. And they fasted and they had great spiritual power and there was great spiritual benefit in their fasting. But not only that, they were so sensitive to God that they could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit spoke to them and told them, we want you to set apart Barnabas and Saul for our use. And then they went on missionary journeys. Men and women, I believe... I believe that God is calling more men to spiritual leadership. More men and women to spiritual leadership. Dark-skinned folk. Because we have the power of management. We have the gift. Many of us have the gift of administration. Many of us have the gift of leadership. Many of us have the gift of organization. And God wants to use that. If you use that out in your life, if you're gifted in putting people in position, if you're gifted and you've got vision, if you're gifted and you, you know how to plan, then you've got the power of management. You see, I believe that our young people have it strong. We've been trying to have movements for years. But it wasn't until our young people got passionate and zealous about moving did we have the Black Lives Matter movement. Say what you will about the validity or invalidity of it. It was young black people exercising their power of management and organization and leadership. And I believe that God wants us to reclaim that in the church. Don't have to have REV in front of your name. You can do that without. Some of us do need to have it and some of us without. So there's power for missions, there's power for management, but then there's the power that comes from the Master. Men and women, you're familiar in Luke 23:26, and also in Mark chapter 15, the story of Simon of Cyrene or Simon the Cyrenian. 
And it says in Luke 23:26, it says, Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. I used to read this story, and I made Simon the Cyrenian the hero. I would say he decided that he would carry the cross. I mean, I really got zealous about it, but if you were to read the text, he didn't do it willingly. The text says that that uh, as they led Jesus away, they laid on a certain man the cross. In another, uh, uh, in in the Gospel of Mark, it says they compelled a certain man to carry a cross, to carry the cross. The New English version of this verse in Mark says the soldiers forced him to carry the cross. And so men and women. He was forced to carry the cross. You got a choice. You got a choice today whether or not you will follow Jesus. You got a choice today. You see, they put the cross on him, and, and, and it says that, that, that he might bear it after Jesus. He followed Jesus carrying his cross. And men and women, I think that the power of God, the power of the gospel, the power of what God wants to do in our lives is whether or not we will carry the cross. Some of us are afraid. Some of us say, well, I won't get to do the stuff that I like to do if I follow Jesus. Or I won't have any more fun if I follow Jesus. Or I won't have to be able to do this. Yes, you may have to give up some sins. But, but I'm telling you, whatever you have to give up, what Jesus has to offer is ten times better. This Cyrenian, Simon of Cyrene, a black man from Cyrene, he was forced into the service of carrying the cross of Jesus. You got a choice. You can say, yes, I put all of my faith, I put all of my trust, I put all of, of, of my commitment and my confidence in Jesus for my salvation. I believe when he died up there on that cross, he was dying for me. I believe he was taking the punishment that I rightly deserved. I know that I've sinned against a righteous God, a holy God, and I need a Savior. I'm lost. And so when you place your faith in Jesus Christ like that, He comes into your life. He becomes your Savior. He becomes your Lord. He becomes your Redeemer. He, he uh, uh, becomes your Deliverer. He allows you to follow Him. He actually comes into your life and gives you power for living. He doesn't give you the power to do whatever you want to do. He gives you the power to do what you ought to do. Paul put it to, to, to us this way. He said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing over and over again. Who will deliver me from this body of death? What I'm telling you is that Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the one who will deliver you and free you up to be the kind of person you want to, that, 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 that God wants you to be and to, to do those things that He's called you to do and to fulfill the vision for your life, to make your life count for the kingdom of God. Listen to this poem. It's entitled, Our Deepest Fear by Marion Williamson. And she says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. 
We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant? Who am I to be gorgeous? Who am I to be talented? Who am I to be fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It's in everyone who receives Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Men and women, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of success. Don't be afraid of victory. Don't be afraid of accomplishment. Don't be afraid of the power that God has given you. Don't be afraid of fulfilling your calling. Don't be afraid because black is powerful. Black is beautiful, but black is also powerful. I'm reminded of the story of a man who was at a carnival and he had this helium and he would heal, he, he would, he would, he would blow up all of these balloons. And one little black child come up and came up to him and said, how come you're, you're, you're blowing up all of the white balloons? And how come you're blowing up all the yellow balloons? And how come you're blowing up all the green balloons? And how come you're blowing up all the blue balloons? And letting them fly and, and, and go high up in the sky. You don't have a black one. Cause you don't like black. You don't, and he begins to complain. And the man who was blowing up the balloons stopped him and said, son, it's not about the color of the balloon that makes it go up in the sky. Don't complain that there's not a black one in there. All I have to do is fill it up and it'll fly. Because it's not the color of the balloon, it's what's inside the balloon. And what I'm telling you is that you don't get your power from being black. You get your power from God and oh, incidentally, you're black. We are black and powerful because we are biblical. We are black and powerful because the God who created us resides in us if we receive Jesus Christ. And so many women, I want to ask you if you want to receive Christ today. That is the only power that we have. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Many women, He's given us His might. We have this power in us which was also in Christ Jesus. Men and women, I bid you to say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord so that I can have power. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. I challenge you to put that, that screen on pause. And I challenge you to pray that prayer to receive Jesus Christ into your life as Savior and Lord. I challenge you. Because that's where our power comes. That's where our beauty comes from. That's where all that we are comes from. It comes from Him. Men and women, we celebrate 
black history. We celebrate those who have been filled with the presence of God and have used that, that filling for His glory. I challenge you to do the same because black is beautiful and black is powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. We are more than the minute.